0: Welcome to the Practice Impossible Podcast, where your host, Jude Pierre M.D., also known as Coach JPMD, discusses medical practice topics that will guide you through the maze that is the business of medicine and teach you how to increase profits and help populations live long. Your mission, should you choose to accept, is to listen and be transformed. Now, here's your host, Coach JPMD. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to my podcast Today we're going to have a conversation with Sonia Palomino, and today's podcast is entitled "Roadmap to Financial Freedom" with Sonia Palomino. Sonia happens to be my financial coach and uh, helped me through some pretty tough times uh, several years ago. And I wanted to highlight some of the things that she can do for physicians to help them overcome some of their their issues, uh, our issues that we all face. And, and I truly believe that financial freedom is important as it affects not only relationships with patients, but also with family and uh, your ability to actually take care of your business. Sonia has conducted over 9,000 one-on-one coaching sessions and has transformed relationships with money and gets results. And I can say that uh, she has truly helped me understand the importance of creating a budget and also getting out of debt. And so I am so happy to have Sonia Palomino on our podcast. And uh, I want you guys to stay till the end because she does have something to offer and uh, that uh, I think you'll all uh, benefit from. So here we go. Thank you, Sonia Palomino, for joining us in this discussion about finances and physicians. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Thank you, Jude. Thanks for having me. I am Sonia Palomino and I own Enjoy Consulting. I've personally conducted over 9,000 consultations, I have clients all across the United States and Europe and the Bahamas, and I am passionate about working with clients that are tired of secretly feeling anxious and simply long to have margin in their finances so they can pay their bills without stress and worry.
0: So so you talk about um, margin. So what, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, and specifically talking about the physicians um, that I've worked with, I find that what gets them more than anything else. It's just this, it's this feeling of overwhelm. There's this exhaustion and there's so much that's weighing on their shoulders. And so when they're managing their finances, it just doesn't seem like there is enough. There's not that margin in their finances. And so there's a lot of stress and anxiety and worry and pressure on their shoulders. And so when I work with my clients, I I like to work with them because I want to lean into that because I understand what that's like, because you, you know, our story, we almost lost everything financially and we almost lost our home. We had every credit card maxed out to the point that they were not mailing us notices anymore. And, um, and so the thing about it is, is that when we hit our rock bottom financially, it was a very scary place to be. And so what we did, I just knew that we had to do something different, but I didn't really know what that, what that would be. And so we just started to go back to the basics and the way we turned around our situation, it didn't, it was not an overnight process for us. It took us between eight to nine years for us to work our way, to dig our way out of our debt. We ended up becoming debt free um, for those credit cards. We then um, ended up paying off our mortgage early We saved, it was a little bit around $135,000 of interest that we did not pay to the mortgage company because we were able to pay that mortgage off early. So when I talk about margin in someone's finances, I know what it's like to not have it. We didn't have any at a certain point in time. We didn't have enough money. And then to get to that point where we have margin when there's extra, when you're not working for everyone else that you owe money to, because Jude, my husband's biggest, complaint honestly back when we were almost losing everything is that he's like sonia i work so hard and we have nothing to show for it and that and that would be just very discouraged at that point in time so with regards to margin it's having that sense of peace it's having that you're on a plan you know where those dollars are going to go and you're never going to be perfect throughout the process and so with regards to margin it's just it's having that that buffer that breathing room
0: yeah, so so are you saying a margin is like an an emergency fund or something that that you set aside or uh cuz some people listening may not understand what that means because they've never had margin or they never had uh, money set aside. I I think I know what you mean, but uh how would you um how would you describe that in your world in the real world?
1: Absolutely. Well, and there are a couple of different margins from what we experienced back when we really didn't have much um back when we were almost losing everything. Mm-hmm. The margin that we had was first of all to right size our expenses. We really had to. We had a significant overnight reduction of income, and um, and that hit us just um, kind of right out of the blue. And so the thing is, is that our margin we had to create it ourselves. We had to go in and and actually reduce our lifestyles um, to a, a pretty basic level because our income was very minimal coming in compared to our expenses. Our home was on the line. Everything was on the line. I was pregnant with our second child at the time. So everything was hitting right at that time. And so when for us to create margin back then, we had to go back to bare basics and we had to look for ways to see how could we bring additional income, though really the foundational piece, which is the budgeting piece, we actually had to um, put that into play as well. Now then, once we became debt-free, well, then the margin changed at that point in time. And then we have extra money in which we are able to you know, build savings and dream and and focus on you know these these things that we wanted to focus on for our family at a completely different level of margin than than back when we didn't have anything. If that makes sense, when we owed everybody else um, most of our paycheck.
0: Yeah, and, and I think I mean I think physicians start off at having zero margin because we have so much debt. But you know why why, why would you if you have now a, a plan and and uh, you're debt-free, why would you then uh, get into coaching? Uh, What's what kind of sparked you in that direction?
1: I think the thing about it is I, I, I felt like when I, I left, it was a, a, a corporate job, and I felt like there were magnets in my shoes walking me into that corporate role just for the paycheck. And then there just comes the time where there's not enough money, or we can be paid to do something that our heart is totally checked out in. So that's when I left that corporate job and, and I didn't know what it was, honestly, Jude, what I was going to walk into doing, but this is what I knew. I knew that I had my clipboard in my hand. I had my pencil. I had my calculator. Now I was having to stretch every single penny as far as possible. And so, you know, our friends just kind of watched us through this journey. And my, my girlfriend, she said, Sonia, you should not have made it. You should have lost everything. Can you come over to our kitchen table and help us out with this? And so I uh, met with her and we laid it out and she said, you know, you're good at this. You should do this. And honestly, Jude, this is my response to her. I'm like, that's a really dumb idea. So I'm going to work with Mm -hmm. people, right? (laughs) They're going to call me that are struggling with money and they're going to pay me the money that they're struggling with. Like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's a horrible business plan. I have an accounting degree and a master's degree. Right. And so, but the thing about it is, over 9,000 consultations later, as I mentioned earlier, I don't mess with the system. I'm so passionate about what I do. This is not even like work. And it is actually an absolute dream come true because I know what it feels like to be really next to that fire. And then I know what it's like to kind of be on the other side of it. And so every single day I wake up and it's just absolute um, absolute fulfillment with what I do um, working with a client that I do. because. I share with my clients, if you want to complain about your finances, well, you can do that for free. There are plenty of people, Jude, right? That we can complain about our finances too. Though it really takes a special kind of brave, someone that is just really to take a look at their overall situation, not knowing exactly even how they're going to work through it, but it's really at that point of entry. And that's where I see that this, this magic happens when we get this proper financial foundation under someone's feet and I'm able to walk them through this step-by-step. Step. It's not a boring budget process. It's literally someone's financial future. So I just get so fired up about it.
0: Yeah. And I, and I know that because, you know, full disclosure to, to, uh, the practice impossible, uh, podcasts, uh, Listeners, uh, you know, I, Sonia was my financial coach. Um, and, and I looked through my emails and I was looking at my first um, consultation with you was in 2014, which yes. is crazy to say that. Now. Yes. And uh, I remember the, the email I sent to you uh, requesting, uh, and I think I found you online and I requested uh, your help. And uh, you said you were, you lived in Brooksville. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, that's where my practice is. I, I actually go to the hospital. Hospital's up in Brooksville. There's no way I'm going to have a financial coach look at my finances in the same area that I live in. So I actually, I, I don't know if you remember that email. I said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, I didn't want to work with you because of that. So how do you deal with clients' confidentiality and, 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 and fears of, because I know a lot of doctors have fears of sharing their financial information with, uh, with strangers. Um, And uh, how how do you deal with that? Well, that's a
1: really good question because I feel like there is a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame when it comes to finances. There's a lot of overwhelm. And the thing about it is, is that I do have a confidentiality clause. And Jude, I remember that like it was yesterday. (laughs) I remember that. Yes, I, I specifically do. And rightfully so, because when I grew up, you know, you weren't supposed to talk about money. And I actually got in trouble at the kitchen table. My dad was in the Air Force and we were, um, we lived in Japan and we had, um, my parents had invited someone over for Thanksgiving because they didn't have family um, there as well as someone that worked for my dad. And I looked over and I I asked this gentleman and I'm a pretty, you know, kind of quiet person, but I had this just burning question in my mind. And I asked this, this, this guy, I didn't even know, I literally asked him, how much do you make well, the, the, mm-hmm. the, look, my mom shot me across the table was death. <laughs> and so afterwards she said, Sonia, you don't ask those questions. And, but I didn't understand that because every time that my dad would get a raise, we would have real butter on the kitchen table, on the table for dinner. And my mom would take off my dad's patches. So new, a raise meant a new patch, new right on my dad's shoulder, And so it was confusing to me because I just assumed that based on your patch and whatever you had on it, it dictated. So I didn't think it was a private question, but I learned you very quickly that that is not something that you talk about. And especially you don't ask a stranger, you know, at the kitchen table about it. So there's a lot of guilt and shame associated with that. And so there definitely is a confidentiality clause that I have. I take it very seriously. and, And I find that. Um, you know, once someone can get through that resistance and that overwhelm and, and even, I think even deeper is this thought of, oh my gosh, I feel my clients feel so alone. Could someone even help me in my particular mm-hmm. situation? And, and I think that there's, there's so much that can happen on the other side of that because that's just that resistance that'll just keep us stuck. And we, we can't move past that if we're not willing to kind of open up in trust at that yeah. level. It,
0: and, and trust the advice as well, because I, I think you gave me some advice. Um, and I remember your, uh, I think it was a Range Rover or Land Rover story. Yeah. When, uh, when I tried to, you know, in the process, within three months, I I, I had my budget in place and I saw that there was some ex- extra income. And I, and I don't know if you remember this, but I said, uh, Sonia, I, I think I want to buy a Tesla. What do you think about that? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you were very kind in your answer. <laughs> Uh, Kate, do you remember that? Do you remember I do,
1: I do, okay. And so um <laughs> the thing about it is is that I had a beautiful Land Rover and we were at yeah. that point where we we're about ready to almost lose everything. So guess what? This beautiful Land Rover, it gets um listed and um and it's up for sale. And because we need to use, um, you know, those dollars towards other things like keeping the roof over our head. And so my, my, mm-hmm. my Land Rover never looked so beautiful as I'm looking at it on the pictures on the computer screen as we're, as we're, we're listing it to sell. And so we sold that beautiful Land Rover and then we took forty five hundred dollars to purchase a Range Rover. Which that sounds fantastic, but this Range Rover was so ugly. The paint was peeling. We, I had to name it her Pearl. She was so ugly, and um, she almost killed me um, a time. They said not to adjust the the seat because when you're driving, it could adjust. And so I'm driving Pearl around for a while. I'm like how bad could it be? So um I just I I, I hook it back up, and so I'm driving home around five five miles away from home, and literally my whole seat starts to push in, and then the whole back of the seat starts to, I'm pressed now against the steering wheel trying to drive. (laughs) Literally, they weren't joking. This thing was trying to, and it was like a lot of pressure. And so when I got home, we had to get it back into position. We disconnected it again. So this is the thing, Suji, when you mentioned that, because I know for us that that is, You know, the borrower is servant to the lender. There is bondage associated. And so when you mentioned that vehicle, I'm just thinking, how can we get you to a point that you're not in bondage for this vehicle? And so we went down in vehicle for the $4,500 vehicle. And then a few years later, my husband found the exact same vehicle. It was a Range Rover, but this one was gorgeous. And it was a wealthy rancher that had it in his garage. And literally the tires were dry on because he just never drove it. It was beautiful mint condition. And so then we sold my vehicle for $4,500 that we purchased for $4,500 and then bought this other cash $4,500 vehicle. And it was almost like this test. It was almost like this test of, oh my goodness, can you, can your ego take going to this ugly horrifically like paint feeling everything on it. vehicle. Can you take that on the way to this journey of becoming debt-free? And so then this other one just opened up to us. So dude, and I think that's probably the, the story that you're referencing.
0: Yeah, it is because, uh, you know, I almost pulled the trigger on that. And, and I realized it would have been a bad decision when I was trying to, you know, pay off my debt because I had, you know, I still had a significant amount of student loans. I think over $100,000 in student loans just a couple of years ago. And that's after being in practice for 15 years. And it's, it's hard, I think, for physicians to, to, um, get to the point where they feel like they have to, um, wait for, for their rewards. But I, I think, uh, you can speak to it, uh, obviously, because you've had many physician clients, but, you know, if physicians can pay off their debts as quickly as they can, then they're able to buy things cash and not be, um, not be tied down by the debt and and, and worried about uh, making money to pay off that debt in their practices. So, you, what are what are the, some of the? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, go ahead. You're fine.
0: No, I was going to ask you what what are some of the things that you find uh, difficult to break in physician habits. Because we have some bad habits, we you know, we're very um, uh, prideful sometimes, and uh, yeah. we know everything, so uh, yeah. including of uh, finances. So, what what do you say to a physician that is really difficult to change their habits?
1: I feel like it's very difficult for my physician clients for them to reach out to ask for help because they're the ones that people go to for help, and so there's a really sensitive kind of spot right there and just, and just being willing to think that, you know, maybe there is another way that we could do this. And the other part of it is, it is that guilt. It is that shame. It is that overwhelm. There are a lot of, a lot of things that are being juggled and a lot of things that are on their shoulders. And so Jude, would it be okay if I shared a little bit about the structure that I shared with you? Because I find that if we're missing a critical structure, then you're, you're going to be on a windy road, Um, basically um, on that windy road. And it's going to take a lot longer rather than just being on the interstate to attain that financial freedom. Absolutely. So the best analogy that I have, and and Jude, you remember I shared this with you on your initial call, because what I find is if we are missing even just one of these three pieces that I'm going to share with you, then uh, you're not going to get the traction that you deserve. And the best analogy that I have is this analogy of a vehicle. Just like when you go to the store, you have your hands on the steering wheel, you look out that front windshield, you look out the rear mirror, and we use all three interchangeably. And so the desired goal is to have our finances. We want it to, um, we want to have four tires on the road. And the way that we do that, the first element is this. We have to have a budget that is paycheck by paycheck, because typically, and by the way, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of statistics, 95% of Americans don't have a budget, 5% that do. Though even the 5% that do, they're not budgeting at the level that I am, due to the level that you are, at the level that my clients are, because they're missing one or two of these pieces that I'm going to share with you. And so the very first thing is this, we have to insert a steering wheel into the financial vehicle, because if we don't have that, this is what it feels like. Your hands are taped to your side, you're flooring it, and you're just hoping and crossing your fingers, Hmm. you're going to be able to turn that corner, right? Hmm. And, and so the way that we insert the steering wheel into that financial vehicle, we have to have some sort of structure. And so the structure that I put my clients on that I would recommend for all of you that are listening to this call, we have to have a structure and it is a paycheck by paycheck structure because if we lay out a budget for our overall month of whatever, what happens is this we get lost in the month and the month becomes really long. And so based on when that income comes in, that is the skeletal structure for the entire financial foundation because as new income comes in, we want to be able to see that and we want to be able to see which pay periods are responsible for paying which bills. Most of my client's budgets are not balanced there's usually a paycheck where there might be some extra, but then there's another paycheck. Actually, there's a shortage and it feels like feast and famine. It just feels like we just can't gain the traction. And by the time we get to the pay period where there's a little bit extra, it's like, oh, finally, we have a little bit extra. So we spend that little bit extra, not even having a clue that we actually might needed that in two weeks or in a month. But we are unable to see that coming up in advance.
0: Yeah. And I, and, I, and I see that. I saw that happening with me. And, and that's probably when I used to use credit cards. And uh, so people, at least I did, at least uh, when I saw that shortage coming, I said, oh, let me pay the groceries with a credit card and you know I'll cover that on the next paycheck. So I hear you.
1: You got it. That is it, right? Because the birth of debt is when there's not an en- enough income in that moment to cover those bills. And then that's the birth of debt. It's filling that gap between the income and the expenses. And you can do that. We can use debt up to a certain point in time until the credit card companies, they're they're hands off. They're like, no, your debt to income ratio, it's too risky. We're not going to play anymore. Now you are forced then to doing kind of what we did. We were forced to going back to the basics. And so I just, my desire is for no one to get to where we went. It's a very um, scary place to go. And so I just want to walk people back away from that as much as possible. And so the second piece that is critically important, it is that front windshield. So just imagine if you uh, go out to your garage and your entire front windshield was blacked out, would you go anywhere? Probably not. Right. You wouldn't you, you wouldn't be able to see in front of you. It would be blacked out. And so so the second thing is this we have to have a budget and the structure is so that way this budget is forward looking over the next two months because where we are today is going to be very different than where you are going to be in a month or two and so if we don't have that front windshield view if we are unable to look ahead over the next two months this is what it feels like it feels like you're very reactive it just feels like you can't get ahead and it just feels like you don't have that forward vision and you're unable to plan and prepare. And I feel like our finances, it's one of those areas that it's not often a box to the side. It's interwoven into every area of our life. And so when that is out of control, we, we also bring that into every other area of our lives as well. So when I insert this front windshield into a clients' budget it's when I prepare that budget so it is forward-looking over the next two months so we can see what is happening paycheck by paycheck over the next two months. So, Jude, if there is that shortage that you were talking about, if there is a shortage, we don't want to be smacked dab in the middle of the shortage. We actually want to be able to see that a couple of months ahead of time so today we can better prepare so we don't even experience mm-hmm. that shortage. Make sense? Yeah, makes sense. So that's the second piece. And then this third piece, I was actually never trained and taught on this third piece. So when I started coaching my clients, I wasn't satisfied. This very first few. And I would ask my clients, how are you doing with your budget? And so dude, they would say we're doing well. So you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know if that client was doing well and we needed to bake a cake and celebrate, or if there was a lot of guilt and shame, and it really wasn't going well. And they were just lying to me because they wanted me to feel good. And so it was almost this middle of the night awareness of this. Sonia, you need to take this budget. What is missing? You've got to take this budget, and you need to root it in reality. This budget, and and I know those of you that are listening, without this piece I'm going to share it with you, the budget, it feels like it is floating out there. It is not grounded. It's a guide at best, but it's something that we hardly never look at. We might take the time to do it, which I would say we waste the time to do a budget if it doesn't lead us to implementing, if it doesn't lead you to results, if it doesn't lead you to a sense of peace and clarity um, with regards to your finances. So this was the game changer. This is the rear mirror. And what I mean by that, it's this, it's one thing to have a budget budget. So it is a whole nother to look back to that prior pay period. And G, do you remember we did this paycheck by paycheck, right?
0: Yeah. We, I, and, and thankfully I still do it uh, yeah. for six, seven years.
1: And it matters. It matters because when we go back and we take this hypothetical budget and we reconcile it to the bank account and we update the budget with what really happened. And so then we're actually better able to project out when we see where the money actually went What I noticed is that I noticed a night and day difference in results because what that did, it amped up my accountability to my clients though. Also Jude, it also amps up my client's accountability to me as well. So that's the rear mirror. So when we can pull together and put your hands on that steering wheel, right. And Mm -hmm. we have Mm -hmm. that front windshield and we have that rear mirror, then for the very first time, that is when you're going to have those more tires on the road. That is when you can gain traction. And by the way, that is just the starting point. That is the 20%. That is the budget structure. But most people don't have those three elements. And then the other 80% is the behavior, is the implementation. It is walking it through good pay periods, bad pay periods. It doesn't matter. We need to have a plan. And that's the depth of a budget. Once we have one, the depth of the budget when it doesn't follow the perfect plan, but that's but that's just where we get started.
0: That's awesome. I mean, uh, that's a really good analogy, and you know, I think you also uh, shared that analogy in, in the course that uh, that you helped create uh, with us uh, on the Llama course on learnaboutmedicareadvantage.com com, and you know, and, and I know that you're you're planning on also giving a bonus at the end of this podcast, so I. I highly recommend that everyone stays uh, till the end uh, because uh is going to give something out uh, that uh, I think you'll all be interested in. But there was a statistic I uh, I recently saw, and that uh, of the uh, there was a, a research study that was uh, that was done on on millionaires, and out of ten thousand millionaires that were re- that were surveyed in this country, doctors were not on the top three of uh, that millionaire list and and it was accountants engineers and teachers so i wanted to say, get some insight uh, from you as a financial coach as to why you think that doctors lawyers and and um, business owners were not on a list of 10,000 millionaires or at least the top 3
1: that's an interesting question and the thing about it is and because i have clients just in in, in every industry you could you know ever even imagine and and it's interesting that they say school teachers because um, I've seen this personally. I, I have single mom school teachers that are wealthier than other people that you think would be very successful because yeah. the single mom school teacher, she is putting money aside in savings. She's building that retirement. Her um, expense to income ratio, it's, it's, it's at a point in which she's able to grow and to move forward, if that makes sense. So, and, and what I find is that it, it all comes down to the ratios because you can have a significant income, $13,000 a month coming in, though when you're spending 12500 going out, you see how my my single mom school teacher could be wealthier, right, than a doctor making $13,000 a month.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, that I found very interesting because we we think that doctors are... Are wealthier and we think that um you have to go to law school to to become a millionaire but yet the studies are, are showing different uh and, and it kind of goes back to your your margins um comment at the beginning where if you can create a margin that margin can go towards a 401k or 403b and and uh and i think most of the millionaires that were studied also uh um were seen as uh, or or contributed to a uh, retirement plan in a company for a prolonged period of time. So um, uh, can you talk to us about compounding interest and, and how you see that helps in building wealth?
1: Absolutely. And I feel like one of the biggest steps even before getting to that investment st- stage It's really taking a look at those debt ratios that you have. And so my biggest encouragement is to whatever debt levels you're looking at right now, the student loan debt, credit card debt, and things like that. It's really to see and to look foundationally at that budget and to have a budget with the various elements that I've recommended, because if you can get that financial foundation underneath your feet, if you can like fire is underneath your feet, knock out the current debt load that you have, because then as you start to... Free yourself up so the income that's coming in isn't going towards, right? Is it going towards that, that that debt that you have? When you head into retirement, then big picture you're not heading into retirement with student loan debt. So Do you
0: see do you <laughs> see physicians going to retirement with student loan debt?
1: I do. I do.
0: Wow. And I thought 20 that. years. I thought sorry. I, I thought that twenty years was was a lot time to pay off yes. debt. So you're saying over twenty years. Physicians are carrying student loan debt. Correct. Correct.
1: And so the thing about it is, is, is to just really kind of go back to the basics. And so once you have that financial foundation in place, then as far as, you know, investing and and taking those dollars and being very strategic with those dollars and investing and, and then yes, that compound interest. And I know. Mm But there are studies that are out there that if, you know, someone at age, I, I want to say 16 invests $2,000 a year for five or six years. I'm just saying this off the top of my head and stops, um, then um, then basically they'll have more um, than someone that starts to invest, you know, those five to six years later. And and so it just really goes kind of due to your point that compounding interest, the sooner, the better. And um, because those dollars can start to work for you. though I find without that overall foundation, um, so that way you're really looking at that entire financial picture and, and really seeing how you can reduce those debt loads um, as quickly as possible. um, I I find that when you put those two things together, that's where that financial future really starts to open up.
0: Hmm. So what would you say to a physician that says, Hey, I can do this on my own. Um, and I make a lot of money, uh, and I can make more money in the stock market, uh, before uh, more money than the interest on my student loans. Um, what would you say to that young physician coming out of, um, let's say residency or fellowship?
1: That's a great question. And the thing is this, is that typically the rule that we follow, if you are okay with losing that money, and if you don't think that you'll need to touch those dollars for five years or more. Then that's kind of our rule as far as investing. And so if you're in a if you're in a position where if you did lose those dollars, because it, it can be risky, they're the ups and downs in the stock market, you gotta be in it for the long term. Um, so the recommendation would be to really focus foundationally first before layering in that step, because I find that when my clients just start to do simple over and over and lay that strong financial foundation, there is that inherent compounding system, and they're going to get to that investment step even faster with a stronger financial foundation. For, for my clients that mm-hmm. invest before they're at the stage in which they are ready to invest, this is what I see happening, Jude, they end up, they do it a little bit backwards, and then they end up having to take money out of retirement, and they're paying a penalty because they're doing it before they're retired. And they're also going to have to pay taxes on those dollars. So I find that if we skip to that step too soon, then there is, it's is going to kind of hit us on the back end and then it will cost you more in the long run.
0: It makes total sense. So, Sonia, anything, any other advice that you could give to uh, physicians who are listening to this podcast and wanting to practice impossible?
1: My, my biggest suggestion would be currently just to kind of evaluate your situation and and are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with the results that you're getting? Do you feel as if you have those four tires on the road? And, and if you can, and this is my heart, Jude, if, if, if your listeners can take these recommendations I'm giving to them, if they can implement the budget at the level that I'm recommending, I say do it rock that budget and just be consistent with that. If, if there's someone out there and they're just, they feel like there's this missing link, they know what to do, though for some reason they don't know how to make that happen for their particular situation. And I, I, I recommend and kind of just to go towards um, what I have as far as the offer for the listeners today I have, it's a complimentary 30 minute call and what that does, it allows for me to understand your specific situation. I like to run percentages, how much of your income, and I would recommend for you to run this yourself, how much of your income is currently going towards the roof over your head. We recommend that percentage to be between 25 and 35%. And so when I run that percentage, then if you're at 40% or higher, well, then the home is a red flag. And the other percentage that I that I like to run, it's almost like I'm triaging someone's financial situation, right? And the second thing is I want to um, run the percentage and of the vehicle. How much are you spending on that vehicle and what percentage of your income is going towards that vehicle? And we recommend the ranges around you know 10 to 12% for the vehicle. And so I like to run those two numbers. And it allows for you to immediately triage a particular situation to know if I have a client in front of me that is in an income crisis situation or if this client is in a mismanagement situation because I will go one of two different directions and they're completely different based on that client that is in front of me. So in the complimentary 30-minute call, what I like to do is to understand your pulse. Where are you? And basically give you specific recommendations. And if that's what you need and you're able to run with it, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And then just for those clients that feel, hmm, maybe there is something, maybe there is something that I'm missing and um, then are interested in moving forward, only at that point in time do we move forward. Though um, I do recommend that initial 30-minute consultation because like I said, if you just need a, a something, you know, lit underneath your feet just to point you in that right direction, just to say, okay, now let's go ahead and attack this. And um, you have that ability to do so. So then I say, go for it.
0: I, I so thank you for that offer, and uh, you know, a full disclosure: uh, I am a, a referral partner to Sonia. and uh, so we do have a referral agreement. And uh, I have referred several several clients to Sonya, and, and they are uh, really excited with what they've done with their finances and with her. And uh, uh, I know what she's done for me. And, uh, I would want that for everyone that's listening to this podcast at this time, any parting words and, uh, where, where can we find you? Uh,
1: the best, the best way is my website. It is live well, and that is L I V E W E L L at in joy. And it's spelled differently. It's spelled with an I. So it is I N J O Y consulting.com and really the where my heart is in financial coaching it's just really thinking about what more is possible so it's funny dude right the the your your podcast because we didn't discuss this whatsoever but my whole when you go to my website literally on my home page where my heart is it is just it's about my clients living their possible what more is possible in your particular situation and if you feel any sort of limitation or constraint and a lot of times the financial realm is one that it just it just triggers a lot of that fear and anxiety and overwhelm. And so it's really about leaning into living your possible. And and so this is um, how I work with my clients, not just even on the black and white numbers, we go a little bit deeper as well and and really feel this thing to the roots. And so as far as parting words, Shoot, I would actually I'm gonna turn it over to you because you're a client of mine and I'm going to hear it with everyone else as well, you know, as far as the benefits to to having a financial plan underneath your feet, that strategic um, financial foundation, so that way you know that you are on purpose with your finances, so my goal and my heart is for my clients to get back to life, get back to their families, and not have the weight of the world on their shoulders because of the finances, because it just feels like our finances can suck the living life out of us, yeah. and that is not okay, so...
0: Yeah, that's what, what it was with me. And uh, that's why I was so blessed to, to found you and to uh, have you help me uh, move in the right direction. And, um, it's opened up so many doors by putting things in order. And, you know, um, it is written that the wise seek counsel of many. And it's a fool that doesn't take advice. So I, uh, I recommend that all our podcast listeners, listeners, uh, seek the advice of wise counsel. And Sonia is one of those wise counsels that I have used. And I so appreciate. And, uh, we'll put links, uh, to your uh, website, uh, uh, in the show notes below. And, uh, I again want to thank Sonia for joining us on this conversation. And, uh, Would you come back if we uh, had uh, questions from our listeners?
1: Absolutely. That would be fantastic.
0: Cool. Thank you again, Sonia. And uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure to uh, have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, June.
0: Thank you so much for listening. For more information, please visit www.practiceimpossible.com. You can also leave some feedback as to what other topics you might want to hear.